Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. We are so happy to welcome back our friend, Christina Potters. Hello, Miss Christina. Hello, Miss Denise. It was Thank so you. fun to do the other one. Let's do another. The whole thing about this podcast is, one, I get to talk to people that I don't usually get to talk to. And I learn something every single time. And I, I love that so much. I learn about life and I learn more about food because you said it in the last one. My whole world has been food centric. You know what I mean? It's just been food centric and I don't mind. And people ask me what I do since I've retired from food styling. I cook more. I read about food. I go to farmer's markets. I go When I go on vacation, I still go shopping for food. So my life is food centric still. And I, I love to talk about people to people that have had the same situation in life. Exactly. And that's certainly how I am. And I, sometimes I think, geez, you know, it's kind of weird to be food centric. All that. But, but you know what? When, every once in a while, Christina, people say, oh, well, you must have had other interests. And I say to them, I love art. I love bright colors. I love the bright colors of food. And then we're right back to food. You know, exactly. I love to write and stuff, but and I love to read, but mostly it's about food. So, <laughs> right. Exactly. I, other people, and I have nothing but admiration for people that become masters at other things. I think that just isn't me. You know what I mean? I like no. food. <laughs> I like food too. And I love to learn about it. And as much as I love to learn about it, I love to teach people about it because what you guys have as Mexican food in the United States is by and large so different yes. from what we have here. And I take people mostly on market tours. I do a half day market tour in Mexico City. I do market tours here in Michoacan. I take people to Oaxaca on, on market tours and people say, what's that? And then I get to talk about it. And it just thrills me to be able to talk about it. Well, I asked you back now, Christina, because you and I had a little conversation, I want you to tell us about corn and tortillas. You got it. You got it. This is, this is really, this has become my biggest passion about Mexican food is corn, native corns in particular, and the preservation and promotion of native corns in Mexico. Okay. Many people don't know that all corn originated in Mexico. Um, people think, oh yeah, uh, Iowa or Kansas or yeah. places where lots of corn grows. But no, corn, corn was domesticated here in Mexico from a little seed head of a grain called Teocintle. Teocintle, it still exists in Mexico, but the domestication of corn started, actually nobody knows when it started. Oh, wow. what, we, what we do know is that the very first findings of corn cobs were found in a place in the state of Puebla in a cave where it was determined by carbon dating that those corn cobs, which were about maybe three quarters of an inch long, 
but recognizably corn cobs because they had that little pocket where the kernel sits in the pocket. Yes. So they found those in that cave in a in a, a cave in a mountain in the state of Puebla that dated to between five and seven thousand years ago. Wow. These these kernels of corn were not fossils. They were dehydrated because of the kind of climate that exists there. They also found uh, the tools that were used to grind corn. The main tool is called the metate, and the metate is a a rectangular volcanic stone carving stone that is about usually about anywhere from 30 to 40 no, I'm going to talk in centimeters from maybe a, <laughs> maybe a foot to, to a foot and a half long and about sometimes as wide as a foot. And it has a volcanic stone rolling pin that goes with it. The metate is built with the two, two back legs that are a little bit longer than the one front leg so that when you are grinding with this rolling pin, the, the, what you grind rolls down to the bottom rather than pooling in the in the top and so they found remains of the metates and in the pores of the volcanic stone they found little tiny pieces of ground corn that also dated five to seven thousand years ago then there was another find in the state of guerrero which is near near where i live and they discovered that those were those findings were a little bit older than that, maybe eight to nine thousand years ago. And then they discovered another place in the state of Oaxaca, where they found the same kinds of things, but they were about ten thousand years old. Wow. So, yeah. So we know that corn has existed that long. And let me tell you. I have been to the cave in Puebla. I have, it's not like Mammoth Cave or other caves like that, where you go down into the cave and there are rivers and you can walk around and it's huge. This is a cave that's just like a bubble in the rock. And it was, oh. used, it was used as a shelter for people. And the one in Puebla, they figured out that at least 43 generations of people passed through that cave and cooked with corn. Wow. An ancient grain that still feeds the entire world. The world grows more corn than it does rice. Corn is first, rice is second, and wheat is third. So so what, what happened when people actually were using corn the first food that was developed by those ancient, ancient people was tamales. Ah. The tamales. And how you get from a dried ear of corn to food is that you have to first take all the dried grains off the ear of corn. And various methods have been used to do that. One is a big a big round thing about this big in diameter 
that is made of corn cobs, actual cobs that are maybe six to eight inches long. And they're, they're dried and then they're bundled together in a circle and tied up with wire so that they're a, a, a big disc. And then, the, and then the dried corn ears are rubbed across the top of that thing and it removes the grains. Oh, for God's sakes. Oh, for God's sake. I mean, there, there are things that are just, what? Okay, so you have to first dry the corn. Corn has three different stages of maturity. The first one is called an elote. That's what we eat as corn on the street, either roasted or boiled with mayonnaise and chile. Yeah. Okay, so yes. Cheese. So, <laughs> yes. So that's those that's the elote is is the stage at which the corn is sweeter than it is starchy. Got it. Tender. So we eat it fresh. Next stage is called the camagua, which is an in-between stage where the sugars have started changing to starch. And there are specific things that are prepared with that corn only. And then we have what's called the mazorca, which is the regular ear of corn that's left on the corn plant until it's fully mature and droops over. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not, but the stem droops over. And in, in about December, that corn is picked and then it's hung up to dry or it's put into a big um, open bin to dry with the sides open, maybe with chicken wire or whatever they're made of. So three different stages of corn. Corn tortillas are made from corn that is that third stage, the mazorca. Oh, okay. And how corn is turned into a tortilla requires that you cook the corn, put in a big pot, if, you, if you're doing like two quarts of corn, you need to use 12 quarts of water. Oh, okay. Plus you add builder's lime, calcium hydroxide to the water, about two tablespoons of calcium hydroxide goes in the water. You bring it to a boil and then you immediately turn it down to a low simmer. You cook it for about an hour, turn it off, cover it and let it sit overnight. Ah, okay. So this is, it's a process. Yeah. So in the morning, you drain the water off and th the water, you discard that water. It's not used for anything because of the, the calcium hydroxide. Yeah. Makes it non-edible. So you drain it, drain the corn, and then you wash it and you wash it and you wash it and you wash it in three or maybe four changes of water until the water runs clear and all the chemical is washed off. And then you're ready to start making tortillas. But why do we do that process? That process of cooking the corn is called nixtamalization. And it, these ancient peoples discovered this. Yeah. Who knows how, who knows why? But what it does is it loosens the pericarp. It's the cover on each kernel, the stuff that gets stuck in your teeth when you- Yes. Okay. If you don't take that off or at least loosen it up, your body cannot assimilate 
the vitamins and minerals in corn. All you get from your nutri- from eating corn is the starch, like with corn on the cob today. All you get is the starch because it's not nixtamalized. Once it's nixtamalized and those little husks on each kernel are loosened or removed, then your body can access those vitamins and minerals and amino acids that are in each kernel of corn. Wow. And why is that important? Because unless you get that and and combine it with eating beans, which are also all native to Mexico, those two things combined make a perfect protein, corn and beans. People say, oh my God, poor Mexicans, all they eat is corn and beans. Well, okay, and the deal is, it's a growing corn, the traditional ancient way of growing corn is what you guys in the United States call the three sisters, where you plant corn in a row and you plant beans right up next to this corn where the corn is going to have its stalk. So they have a place to twine around and hold themselves up and you plant squash exactly next to the beans so that the big squash leaves, which can be a foot in diameter, those big squash leaves cover the other plants, cover their roots so it helps retain water and shade. And each of those plants takes something out of the soil and adds something back to the soil. So doing that plus growing, people grow wild greens in the middle of the row. So a whole long row of that and chiles around the edge. And that kind of farming is called the milpa, M-I-L-P-A. And it it is self-fertilizing. You don't have to add fertilizer to it. It is self-restoring. You don't have to rotate crops. And everything's right there for your self-sustenance. And that's how the old ways of growing corn here in Mexico still exist. I often give talks about the mule pup because people people don't know. You've never heard that word, I'm sure. No, never. I didn't know about the three sisters. I didn't know how it could be a self-sustaining garden all by itself. Exactly. And people plant that like out behind the house sure. so, that, so that they can go pick corn if it's for elotes to boil and eat or they can go let it sit there. And then there's a dish called toqueres that's made from that middle stage of corn. Mm-hmm. Absolutely delicious. And then they let the rest of it just mature and dry and then hang it up on the, on the ha- overhang in front yeah. of their houses. They have a line and they just hang corn up there. And everything right there is what you need. And it's a perfect diet. It's a perfect I was job. just going to say, yeah, I was just going to, you know, I mean, I've done a little work for um, nutrition companies here in California. They were doing a whole program about five a day. Okay. Five vegetables or fruits a day. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, and I, do. I did. I, what I was there for was talking to them about getting their nutritionists and their uh, experts on television. So I was doing some media training for them to how to sell this in the best way possible to people. 
And what was interesting with all the research that they that I I researched and then that they taught me, Christina, which everyone knows that's been in food for a while is the immigrants that come to America, that's when they get fat. They're not fat in their own countries. <laughs> They're fat when they come to America because it's our diet, not other people's diets. And I, I know you know this. I do, but the big but is globalization. Yes. So much American junk food exists in Mexico that Mexico has a, an extremely high obesity rate now. It never did before. But no. when started eating Doritos and, and candy from the United States and things that never existed here at all, then they started gaining weight. And it's, it's, it's very complicated. I could talk it's a It's very complicated. And when you say that the same thing has happened in Japan, because the, I mean, I remember when I started traveling in the seventies, wherever it was, France, Italy, Japan, Mexico, they weren't fat. Those not people in their countries were not fat. Not Americans were already getting fatter because I worked for one of the airlines and they used to say, Jesus Christ, if Americans gain any more weight, we're not gonna get enough seats in the plane. So fast forward, yes. And that's the commercialization. And as you called it, the globalization, it's like, it's spreading bad food all over the planet. We, today we have every fast food restaurant in Mexico that you guys have in the United States. Got it. I, I can walk three blocks to the main street in my city and see Burger King, Pizza Hut, McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, you yeah. name it, all here. That never existed. That right. never existed. People were original people. Those yes. ancient peoples were eating corn in various kinds of beans, squash, the dark green leafy wild vegetables, spinach, watercress, all kinds of things. There used to be, in the way back, there were 5,000 varieties of those dark green leafy vegetables in Mexico. Today, wow. today there are about 500 because... Yeah because people don't eat them with the frequency that they used to eat them. Yes. You know, but, but the dark green leafy vegetables are full of vitamins and minerals. The chiles are full of vitamins. The, everything that people ate. When I first moved to Mexico, hardly anybody had tooth decay because of the calcium hydroxide that goes into making a tortilla. Oh, for God's sakes. Yes. Now, the, the consumption of tortillas has dropped in Mexico over the last probably 30, 35 years. It's, but uh, it, the reasoning behind all this is just, it's so complicated. Let yes. me talk just a little bit more about making a tortilla. Yes, we, please. We got, we got up to the, the nixtamalization process. So once your corn is, is simmered and rinsed, then you have to either grind it yourself or take it to a mill, a specialized mill that will grind it for you. And in, the, in rural areas, people still grind it themselves. 
But on the metate, that's the same metate that we were talking about before that the ancient peoples used. This is not a new utensil. Yeah. So you grind the corn when it's still damp. You grind it into corn dough. Corn dough is called masa. Masa is really any dough. If you're making a cake, for example, out of flour and what cakes are made out of, the recipe will say, turn out the masa into jam. So masa is basically any kind of dough, but particularly corn dough. So you grind this and grind it and grind it, and man, you need muscles to do this. First of all, just the the stone rolling pin weighs about 10 pounds. Got it. Okay. So, and you don't, it's, you don't use it like a rolling pin where you push it so that it rolls. You push it against the stone grinding stone, just push it flat against the stone grinding stone and you get big <laughs> muscles. You don't want to mess with any of those women. <laughs> So, and people people have two or three or four of those metates, one for grinding chocolate, which is also native to Mexico, one for grinding beans, one for grinding corn and whatever uh, spices, you might have a little one so you can grind spices. I have a small one that is, I, I must confess I haven't used it, but I have it. <laughs> if I did use it, I would use it for grinding spices. So you don't want to mix flavors. It's a, it's a very porous stone and you can't get all the flavor out. You don't want to grind chiles on the same stone you're grinding chocolate. So with the decrease of uh, tortillas being eaten in Mexico, though, I would have to say the increase has come to America and all over. I mean, you can't yes. go. I remember, and this is why I say this, Christina, my father owned grocery stores. Okay. Uh Now my mother loved Mexican food. She, she had not been to Mexico yet. She grew up in San Francisco, but in the little town of San Rafael, San Rafael, which had a, um, you know, of course had a mission. um, There was one Mexican restaurant and it was called Gonzalez's Hacienda. Uh, and I went to school with Bobby Gonzalez and his grandmother had opened this restaurant. Well, we all flocked to it because I mean, first of all, I don't even, I think one, it was a different restaurant. We didn't even know what Mexican food was, but she made her own tortillas. Now my mother would buy Sunset Magazine and Sunset Magazine would have an article on Mexican food and my mother would make what she thought was a Mexican dinner. Of course. And, but do you know in those days, she would come to my father's story on three markets, Marin's most modern markets in those days because they had big freezer cases. And God bless him. And it's the only place you could get tortillas was there would be a few packages from like a San Diego company in those days and they'd put them in the freezer uh-huh. because there were no fresh tortillas in a grocery store. So this no. is in the 60s, none, none. And today, oh my God. it's really important for everyone to understand that a tortilla, a real tortilla, 
has three ingredients, three, corn, calcium hydroxide, and water, nothing else. No beets to make them red, no vegetables to make them green. None of this stuff that's being added to tortillas today is in a real tortilla. I get it. And and the tortillas that are sold in a packet, in a plastic package, there are lots and lots of brands of them, and they are all equally terrible. <laughs> you guys have probably never eaten a real tortilla. Now, the tortilla I, is pat, 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 yeah. pat, 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 I have because I've been in Mexico City where a lady was making them fresh. Okay. okay. And I have in one or two restaurants, and you know what? They're not very many anymore. When I first moved to LA 40 years ago, Christina, in Mexican restaurants, they would have good Mexican restaurants, but they would have grandma was in the front window making tortillas. In Old Town San Diego, there's yes. a restaurant where they always did that. I don't know if they still do, but they yep. always did. Now, the question is, were those tortillas made from nixtamalized corn or were they made from what's called masa harina? corn flour that comes in a bag like regular wheat flour. Yeah. My guess is that they come from Maseca is the brand name that started all this. In the 1940s, this kind of corn flour was invented by a big business here to be a convenience food for the housewife. I mean, when you think about what I just was talking about, about, oh, yeah. and about overnight and about take it to the mill and about grind it yourself, that's hard work. Oh, yeah. As the years have passed by, particularly urban women don't have time to do that. Yeah. Most urban women today are not housewives. They work in an that's office right. or something, and they don't have time to deal with all that. So Maseca was a godsend. But here's the deal. Maseca is, says it's nixtamalized, but it's nixtamalized in an industrial way that removes all the vitamins and minerals I from understand. the corn. And, and then they're replaced. It's like, excuse me, it's like Wonder Bread, where it says, I get it. Nine vitamins and minerals added. I get it. And, and and so you're not getting the same nutrition with the tortillas, with most of the tortillas that exist today, even though they're made in tortillerias where you go and the people are there. You can tell if they're made from nixtamalized corn because they have the nixtamal tanks in the back of the tortilleria and you can see them and yes. you can talk to the people about it. Oh, I see you nixtamalize your own corn. That's wonderful and please don't stop. And you know, that's what I do. I know. It's, you know what, Christina, what you're talking about. And I've tried to, I can't even tell you how many times I've tried to sell this show, what we're talking about to television. I ha we have two agents working on a similar idea. It hasn't sold. I talk about Forgotten foods. Yes. Okay. It's, yeah. and the reason it's forgotten, everything you've just said, our culture changed. 
See, my mother sought out tortillas, bought those frozen ones, and we would say, she'd say, these are horrible. So then she convinced Grandma Gonzalez to sell her some of her tortillas. So when my mother, exactly. it was different. Women, it was wonderful. Do you know the restaurant Gelaguetza in LA? No. Okay. I, no, it, I don't. It's an old time Oaxacan restaurant run by family from Oaxaca. And uh, I would suggest next time you're in LA, look it up and go. I will. The food is the food is quite good and the tortillas are quite good. But packaged tortillas, if you take them out of the package, within seconds they turn into cardboard. Yes. You you can't bend them. You can't you can heat them up. You heat up a tortilla over a direct flame or on a griddle and you turn the tortilla and it smells heavenly. But again, they're commercial tortillas and they I, once they get cold, they, they're useless. They're I, terrible, terrible, terrible. This is when Cindy and I on a TV show that was filmed in the Napa Valley, um, we had a, a local woman came. He, she was a friend of the chef who the sh show was built around. And she brought her her own tortillas and made them for us on camera. Good. And they're what you're talking about. And they were warm. And we were, of course, sitting high in the back, we're slathering them in some butter and <laughs> said to each other, we're eating as many of these as we can get our hands on because we're never going to get these again. <laughs> That's true. The one of the best and most memorable meals I ever ate in Mexico was right here in Michoacan. We have the world's youngest volcano about two hours from where I live. It's, it's not extinct. You can still see smoke coming out of its flanks, but you can go, there's a lookout, you can go and look at it, you can ride a horse out to see the volcano, blah, blah, blah. But when I got done looking at the volcano, there was a woman sitting on the ground near the lookout. And she said, would you be interested in having something to eat? I said, sure, what you got? She said, beans and tortillas and cheese. So she was making the tortillas right there. And oh the, pot, the clay pot of beans was right there. And the cheese was fresh cheese. So the way you eat that is you take a hot tortilla, you put the beans in the tortilla, you crumble a little bit of cheese on top of it, and then you put some salsa on it, which she also was making. It was incredible. Yes. It was all done in the moment and absolutely beautiful and delicious, delicious, delicious. So That sounds, now I'm hungry, Kristen. Yeah. Now I'm really, really hungry. That yes. sounds delicious. You know, I think that's part of... Um, Oh, there's just so many, and it, you said it's also very complex. And I certainly understand um, high-end cuisine. And I, you know, I I'm from San Francisco when no, uh, when matzah first came out. Remember the gentleman who the plates almost looked like yeah. Japanese porcelain with the feathers and the birds. Yes, but I, I think I'm. Yeah, it was his name was Mata. Mata, and that was the name of the restaurant. And I was an apprentice for like two hours. He just would let students come in and watch a little bit. But at the end, he was a master. But here was the thing. I just remember when I walked away from that two hours, I thought, how many 
people touch that plate <laughs> because I mean, it was, I'm not, it was when I've been in high end restaurants and eaten in them and stuff, I, I, I'm a peasant at heart, Christina, because what you just described to me sounds more delicious than anything we could eat. Do you know yeah, what I mean? And, and it, that's the kind of place that I take tourists to, places that aren't really places at all. Yes. Um, as I mentioned in the last podcast, I know just about all of the traditional cooks in Michoacan and in most of Mexico. And I take people to a, to a woman's house to mm. eat. She cooks by reservation only. Her food is 100% traditional to her town of 2,500 people. I love it. And I mean, the food is just spectacularly delicious and it's nothing that anybody has ever tasted before. Yeah. So, so, and people will write to me and say, well, where can you take me? I want to see real, the real, the authentic Mexico. Don't get me started on authentic. <laughs> you know, Christy, my, I, have, I, I have to tell you, one of my dear friends, Loves Puerto Vallarta. So I've gone with him several times. He rents a villa uh -huh. and brings several friends. And there's a young, and it's the same villa. And the chef that cooks there is utterly delicious. He, But he worked in a, the States for years. He's from Puerto Vallarta. His food is exquisite. Okay, it's exquisite. But I would not call it authentic. Do you know what I mean? It's, I do. And what so, I would not call it is it's not traditional. That's right. Okay, let's say traditional. But here was my favorite. So the night we give him a night off, we eight of us, we go down to a taco crawl on the streets of um, Puerto Vallarta, and we're talking a wagon and a couple of buckets. You know what I'm talking about. Uh -huh. and, there, and there was the woman that was making street tacos for us. And I am not exaggerating for all our fanciness with the candles and the crystal every night in the villa and everything. Michael said to me, God, these are good tacos. And I said to him, this is the best food we've eaten all week. And the other food was exquisite. I'm not, it yes, was a street taco that was out of this world with her homemade salsa. That's right. That's right. Well, Denise, you have to come to Michoac. Christina, I can come and take one of your tours. Yeah, absolutely. Do we have time to talk about just a couple of other things? Tell me one more thing. Tell me one oh, more thing. One more thing is how tortillas are consumed in Mexico versus in the United States. Most families, say a family of five, maybe grandma, son and daughter, and a couple of kids. Most people will eat about three or maybe four kilos of tortillas a day. Okay. Tortilla is the staff of life here. Meat is expensive. Chicken is expensive. So tortillas are what fills up the stomach while you're eating small amounts of other things. Got it. In, in the United States, tortillas are eaten as kind of a specialty item. They're, they're eaten if, for example, if you're going to make a Mexican meal. Right. At you buy tortillas. Or if, for example, if you want to make chilaquiles, which mm. everybody adores, you might buy a package of tortillas 
and let them get stale. That's how you make chilaquiles is with stale tortillas. But it's a it you know it might be a half of a half a pound of tortillas rather than three or four kilos. Kilo is two point two pounds. Oh my goodness! Gotcha. Oh my goodness! Exactly. The other thing I want to tell you is there is no such thing as a taco shell in Mexico. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> this is totally an invention from the United States. Of course it is. Of course it is. You know what, Christy? I will say this. I think it's much like, and it's just, it always cracks me up, but I understand convenience. I understand that in America, in most of the big cities, both people in a family, spouses both work. Yes. Whatever the combination of spouses doesn't matter. Two people living together, raising children have to work. Exactly. So with that said, I, I mean, I just remember uh, as my childhood when my mother came home one day and she had cake mixes and she said, I'm baking you girls a cake. And my grandmother said, that's not a cake. <laughs> my mother said, it's going to be a cake. My mother was an incredible cook, but not a baker. So I just know that as convenience hits in our society, we Americans, we grab that stuff. We Yes, it's true. We grab it. Here too, uh, the, this corn flour that I'm talking about is an enormous seller, and it's it's not the real thing. I get it. The nutrition is different. The way you make it is different. It's fast, okay, and you can fill your family's stomach. Thank you again for your valuable time. Um, anyone that wants to reach out to Christina, all our information will be up on our Facebook page, will be on our website. Um, if you want to reach Cindy and I, it's womenbeyond at icloud.com. But I really, I can't say enough, Christina, if people want to know more about traditional Mexican food or the things you're talking about, they need to go to your blog, Mexico Cooks exclamation right. point because right. and there's there's so much information i just perused it but i also loved the additional articles about you that are online Thank you. Uh, because it tells it's a pretty amazing story and I, i'm telling you i only wish i had somebody with some juice because it's a movie prison <laughs> nuns tortillas come on christina it's a movie uh i look forward to seeing you again thank you for everything Bye. Thanks, Cindy. Isn't she fast? Isn't it? Fa it's wonderful.